this message inspires and encourages you. For more information, please contact Nexus Church. So today's Pentecost Sunday. So it's fitting that as Christians, we're expectant of the Holy Spirit to move. But it's not by chance that we want the Holy Spirit to move. And tonight, I'm just... It's a, I have to be honest, I'm a little bit out of my comfort zone, but this is exactly where I want to be. I want to be outside of my comfort zone, and for all of you, and for myself as well, I want a fresh experience of the Holy Spirit tonight. So as we unpack the Word, I don't want you to let it just be words. I'm not reliant on my words tonight. I'm completely reliant on God coming and doing something amongst us. And uh, so as we do jump into it, just continually have that expectancy and let your faith rise because I don't want to leave here the same as what I came in and I want the same for you guys. So it's good. Are we all feeling good? You all right out there? Yeah, that's good. You're looking happy. That's good. That's a good start. Uh, I just want to say from the outset, how good was Smithy last week? Man, I said to him this week, but uh, I'm so thankful that we have an evangelist on our team. That story... That is going to bring people into these doors that don't know Jesus yet. And when he shares, there's that authority. And I I really believe that, Smith, when you share, people are going to encounter Jesus. And they're going to decide to call Jesus their Lord and Savior. And man, it was such a privilege to be able to hear you speak last week. It was so good. Uh, And I want to double down on what he said. This Saturday night, we do have a sunset worship at Sandgate night. And that is for our young adults. That is for all of you. We want you to be there. We want a night that we just allow the Holy Spirit to, again, do what He wants to do. But we just want to spend a night of worship. And um, as I was praying into this night, I really felt that God said, Jesus wants to engage your story. So it's not just going to be a night of corporate worship, but it's going to be a night of personal worship with other people. And so um, if you can make it a priority to be there, to be good. I, I know it will bless you. That's next Saturday night at 4.30 out at Sandgate. And so good to cheer on Pastor Cam and Christelle and what they're doing out at Sandgate. It is an incredible venue. Um, so, yeah, looking forward to seeing you all there. Uh, so tonight's message, as I've said, it's a, it's a little bit different. It's not one that I was able to just jump into the commentaries, read away and see what God wants to say through His Word. While we are going to see what God wants to say through His Word, it just felt like a different week of preparation for me personally. I guess what's important from the outset is that you understand tonight is not a history lesson. Tonight is not a theological lesson. Tonight is a look at the power of the Holy Spirit and what it can do in your own life and and how personal the Holy Spirit is. So it may seem odd, but I'm actually not going to start with the story at Pentecost. I'm going to jump back in the Old Testament to a story everyone here would know. If you've been at church for a long time, you'll have heard thousands of messages on this story. If you've never been to church before, you will be familiar with this story. And that's the story of David and Goliath. So if you do have your Bibles, I'm going to read bits, I'm going to skip bits, and I'm going to try to get through it so that we can get to the next bit. But it's, uh, if you are, do have your Bible, it's 1 Samuel verse 17. It'll be up on the screen. Um, Andy and his team have been amazing to jump around with me. Uh, so starting in verse 4, it says this, 
A champion named Goliath, who was from Gath, came out of the Philistine camp. His height was six cubits and a span. So these days, that just means he was really tall. He had a bronze helmet on his head and wore a coat of scale armor of bronze weighing 5,000 shekels, which means it was really heavy. On his legs, he wore bronze greaves and a bronze javelin was slung on his back. His spear shaft was like a weaver's rod and its iron point weighed 600 shekels, which is 100 shekels more than 500 shekels. His shield bearer went ahead of him. Goliath stood and shouted to the ranks of Israel, Why do you come out and line up to battle? Am I not a Philistine, and are you not the servants of Saul? Choose a man and have him come down to me. If he's able to fight and kill me, we will become your subjects. But if I overcome him and kill him, you will become our subjects and serve us. And then the Philistine said, This day I defy the armies of Israel. Give me a man and let us fight each other. On hearing the Philistine's words, Saul and all the, other, all the Israelites were dismayed and terrified. We skip forward to verse 16. For 40 days the Philistine came forward every morning and evening and took his stand. For 40 days he did this. He was jumping up in front of them and saying, Come and fight me. Let's have a go. Defying, defying their army. And it's, uh, it's important to note here that some of David's brothers, so this is the story of David and Goliath, some of David's older brothers had followed Saul to this battle, and they were at the, uh, they were at the battle. And um, Jesse, David's father, went out to David, who was tending the, the sheep, because he was a shepherd, and said, can you take some lunch to your brothers? And so David got the lunch, took it to the supply tent, and ran to the battle line. When he got there, he saw what was happening, and he, uh, he basically said, what is this guy doing? Why are we letting this guy crack the sads about us? And so he then, Eliab, David's oldest brother, so we'll jump to verse 28. It says, When Eliab, David's oldest brother, heard him speaking with the men, he burned with anger at him and asked, Why have you come down here? And with whom did you leave those few sheep in the wilderness? I know how conceited you are and how wicked your heart is. You came down only to watch the battle. So, Saul hears that David's got a different approach to this guy, Goliath, to everyone else. All of the Israelites were terrified and dismayed. David is the only one that's going, why are we letting him do this? Saul hears this and calls for him. David says this to Saul, let no one lose heart on account of this Philistine. Your servant will go and fight him. Saul replied, you are not able to go out against this Philistine and fight him. You're only a young man. He's been a warrior from his youth. Saul doesn't believe in him. So what we're seeing here is David's keen, he's the only one keen for the whole, of the whole Israelite army and Saul's like, surely not you, mate. You see how big that guy is, surely not you. And Saul's like, all right, well, we've got a volunteer, let's just send him out and see what happens. I feel like they knew the inevitable was that whoever they sent out was going to die. So these 40 days, they were just procrastinating having to become the servants of the, the Philistines. So Saul being a good king, tried to whack his armor on David and say, this is what you need for the battle. You need to wear my armor for the battle. And David's like, nah, it's not comfy. This is not what I'm used to. Let me take what I'm used to, which were his shepherd tools, a shaft, like a staff, some stones, a sling, and maybe a, like a leather pouch. So that's all he wanted to take. He wanted to take the things that he was used to. And then David goes out and ready to fight Goliath. And this is what he says to him in verse 45. David said to the Philistine, You come against me with sword and spear and javelin, but I come against you in the name of the Lord Almighty, the God of the armies of Israel whom you have defied. This day the Lord will deliver you into my hands and I'll strike you down and cut off your head. 
kind of intense. This very day I will give the carcasses of the Philistine army to the birds and the wild animals, and the whole world will know that there is a God in Israel. All those gathered here will know that it is not by sword or spear that the Lord saves, for the battle is the Lord's, and he will give all of you into our hands. I don't know if David knows, but if there's a really giant guy in front of you, before you take him down, you don't tell him what you're going to do to him. It just makes him more angry. But basically, David then goes on to defeat Goliath, chop off his head, takes it back to Saul and say, look what I did. So good. That's the story of David and Goliath. We all know that story. We've read it a lot of times. We've heard messages a lot of times. And uh, this week, as I was preparing, I kind of thought, yeah, I can get a real good rah-rah message out of this. Like, let's get into the fight. Let's go get in a fight. But then as I was preparing, I felt like God was saying, and as I also, as I look across this room, and as I know some of your stories, you're already in the fight. You're already in the battle. You don't need someone to tell you to get into the battle. But the issue is, the battle you're in, you probably feel a bit more like the Israelites in this story than David. You feel a bit more terrified and dismayed than David, who was bold, was brave, was ready to go, was willing. And so tonight, I want to have a little bit of a look at the difference of these two and maybe how we can face our battles a bit more like David. So, firstly, let's look at how the Israelites face this battle and see if it rings true for you. Think of that thing that you're facing this week, not right now because you're not up against it right now, but I know when you leave here, you go back to your, your lives. This is Sunday, there's six other days in the week. I know you go back to things. So I, I, I want you to think of that thing that's coming against you and that battle, I guess, in your life. And let's look at how the Israelites responded. Firstly, they felt afraid. Everything about this guy was terrifying. He was ginormous. He was huge. He was the biggest guy they'd ever seen. And his weaponry was massive as well. They were terrified. Maybe for you, you're facing a decision or a situation right now that terrifies you. Maybe you're afraid and you're just wanting to get out of that battle. The next one, the Israelites, they felt inadequate. They looked at Goliath and what he had, and then they looked at themselves and went, I can't take down that guy. I don't want to be the one that gets taken down by Goliath. They felt inadequate, and I feel like this is a big one. This is a big one for us. I know this has been a big one for me. Inadequacy is stalling far too many Christians. Inadequacy is stopping you from stepping into your call because you feel like you don't have the things to step into your call. Inadequacy is what the Israelites felt. Especially for us in this culture of comparisons. We look at all the facades out on social media and amongst our friends. Even on a Sunday it can happen. We all put on our best self on a Sunday, don't we? But this isn't, this isn't about that. It's, uh, it's easy to look at others and feel inadequate and The Israelites did, and what you're facing, maybe you feel inadequate. I think a big one for the Israelites is they felt there was no chance for victory. They couldn't see any way through this battle. They couldn't see how God could actually take them through. Because the truth is, they called themselves Saul's men. They didn't call themselves God's men or God's army. They couldn't see a way through. And and I know for, for some of you, you're facing really hard challenges that you can't see a way through. Maybe you've had a diagnosis from a doctor that is dire. It's no good. You can't see your way through. You know, with a a lot of our battles, I feel like we're hoping someone else will jump in the ring and fight the battle for us. When I talk to you and you're going through something hard and you're, you're just 
you're a bit sick of it. You feel like you keep on coming up against this ice wall that I was talking about earlier. You're just a bit sick of it. And you just, you kind of want that supernatural intervention. That's our prayer, isn't it? It's a, God, take me out of this battle. Take me out of this situation. And this isn't wrong, but this isn't how David approached this. So, how did David approach this battle? He is disgusted that anyone would defy the armies of the living God. But surely disgust alone isn't enough to go in and fight this battle. He volunteers to go into battle. He's willing. But surely just being willing isn't enough to guarantee a victory. He took the things that he usually uses as a shepherd. He's surrounded by soldiers, but he decided to take the things he was used to, the tools that were at his hand. He then approached Goliath with boldness. Why did he have this boldness? Because guess what? If you're brave, that doesn't guarantee a victory. Just because you step in with boldness doesn't guarantee a victory. So what's different about David from the rest of the Israelites? And that's where I want to go tonight. This is the one thing that is actually the most important piece in David defeating Goliath. And this is where I want us to focus tonight. The key to this story isn't in chapter 17. It's not in those giant passage I just read. We have to go back one chapter, and that's where we find the key to this story. See, what happened is God had decided that Saul was no longer the guy to lead the Israelites. He said that, go and anoint the new king. There was a new king for Israel. Saul didn't know this. Samuel did this on the down low. But he said, go to Bethlehem, find Jesse. One of his sons will be the next king. And so Samuel did that. He finds Jesse and he, he starts rolling out all his sons and saying, here's this one. He's really good looking and old um, or oldest. He's like, no, not that one. And goes through all of them. And then he says, I've got one. He's the youngest and he is in tending to the sheep. They bring David before him and Samuel anoints David with oil because God says, this is the one. Let me read that verse for you. It's in 1 Samuel 16, 12 to 13. Then the Lord said, Rise and anoint him, this is the one. So Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the presence of his brothers. And from that day on, listen to this bit, the Spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon David. This is the key to David and Goliath. It's not that he was brave. It's not that God was with him, although he was. The key to this is that the Spirit of the Lord came upon him powerfully. And here's the other interesting one. They didn't anoint him and pray for him when he was about to go in and fight Goliath. This happened before this. Goliath wasn't even in the picture. You see, he was chosen by God. He was anointed by Samuel. And the Spirit of the Lord came upon him in power. So, tonight... This is where all this has been building to. I want to remind you that we need to be a Holy Spirit first, battle second people. We need to stop going into a battle before we allow the Holy Spirit to fill us afresh. This is why David defeated Goliath. It wasn't even about Goliath. That was only one of his stories. Because the Holy Spirit came upon him powerfully, everything he faced, he was willing to step up. And everything he faced, he was equipped to face. 
Holy Spirit first, battle second. I've got a really silly way to um, illustrate this, so come with me here. Um, I enjoy surfing when I can. Um, in Queensland, we only have to wear a wetsuit a couple of months of the year because it's so nice and warm up here. How anyone doesn't live in Queensland, I've got no idea. I still go for the blues, but I love living in Queensland. Every time, yeah, that's how you lose a crowd, right? Um, every time I go for a surf in winter, you put on your wetsuit and then you go out. So what happens is you drive up in your car, you take your board off, you place it beside your car, you make sure other cars aren't driving over your surfboard because this is the most devastating thing that can happen at the beach. You leave it there, you pull your wetsuit out of the car, you put plastic bags on your feet, tip for young players, put plastic bags on your feet and then your feet will slide into that wetsuit, also known as the male corset, and you'll be ready to head out into the water. There's another bit that I missed. When you put on your wetsuit, you pull it up to here, and depending, if you're under 30, you probably only pull it up to there and walk down with the, uh, the top half exposed because the, the abs and the pecs are still intact. 30 hits and you pull that sucker right up. That's when you need the male corset. But this is what's key. You put the wetsuit on and then you go into the water. Can I tell you, if you were to pull up, pull your board out, roll down in your budgie smugglers with your wetty over your shoulder, jump on your board, paddle out to the waves, and then try to put on your wetsuit, you have no hope. Because wetsuits these days are watertight. So you would get your legs in and you would fill up with water. All this while you're getting cold, you're getting smashed by waves, you have no chance of pulling that wetsuit on. We need to have it in the right order. Holy Spirit first, battle second. So let's change gears quickly. Let's head to Acts. Today is Pentecost Sunday. And I wanted to start in the Old Testament, but I want to end in the New Testament. Do you know what Pentecost Sunday tells us? That the Spirit of the Lord doesn't just come upon a few that God chooses. Because of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit is available for all of us. He wants to fill all of us. In Acts 1.8 it says if I get there, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. You know, I think about the disciples. The disciples, once Jesus has left, are probably more like the Israelites in this moment. They would have been afraid. They would have not been sure what was next. Their, their safety blanket in Jesus was gone they would have felt completely inadequate. And you'd be thinking for them, well, Jesus was meant to be the Messiah. He was the one who was going to restore Israel. He's now gone up to be with his dad. We're just left here. They would have been thinking, there's no way through this and we don't know what's next. But they did listen to Jesus' words. This is what Jesus said in, in Acts 1, verses 4 to 9. On one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command. Remembering, Holy Spirit first, battle second. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for, my, for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Jesus is very clear here. He doesn't just say, go, start telling people what I've done. 
He says, go and wait in Jerusalem for the thing that my Father has promised. Jesus is telling us very clearly, Holy Spirit first, battle second. So tonight, tonight's not about the fight we're going to face tomorrow. Tonight's about desiring more of the Holy Spirit. Tonight's allowing the Holy Spirit to fill us afresh. Because if you read through Acts, you will, you will see it's not a one-off event. The disciples are continually filled with the Holy Spirit. Tonight is about desiring more of the Holy Spirit. You know, we need to sh- stop showing up to our battles with human tools, with human strategies, and with the things we've come up with, and then being bemused as to why we haven't overcome that battle. We need to first allow the Holy Spirit to fill us afresh, and then we are equipped with everything we need for any battle. See, what's amazing about God is He knows what you're about to face tomorrow. So allow Him to equip you for it. This is what the Holy Spirit does. It gives you everything you need now for then. You see, what happened in the upper room for the disciples prepared them for what was going to come. I don't know if just seeing the risen Christ alone would have allowed them, this is just me thinking, I haven't read this anywhere or no one said this, but everything they were about to face in sharing the good news of Jesus took an incredible amount of boldness. They spent time in prison. They were beaten. They were persecuted. Many of them were killed. But the power of the Holy Spirit was upon them. So we need immersion in the Holy Spirit. When we talk about baptism of the Holy Spirit, Jesus says it himself. John baptized with water. That's good. But my Father wants to baptize you with the Holy Spirit. We need more of the Holy Spirit. We need to be immersed in the Holy Spirit. Uh, this week it was really interesting. I, I, I chatted to some of our team and I asked them, what was your experience of this? What did you experience when you were immersed in the Holy Spirit? Because I'm going to be really honest with you. I, I didn't grow up in a church that went after the Holy Spirit like we do here at Nexus. I went to a church that was a little bit more conservative in its view. It was like, yeah, the Holy Spirit's a nice thing that's, that's, that we, we get and it lives in you. But that's about where we leave it. But what I read here is that we are called to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. And when I spoke to different members of our team, I heard so many different stories and very personal stories of their encounter with the Holy Spirit. And that is what is so important. When I say Holy Spirit first, I also want to let you know the Holy Spirit is very personal. He has something for you and for you alone. That's why we don't see everyone react exactly the same way. And when you've been in in these meetings where the Holy Spirit moves and, and you're like... How come I didn't experience what they experienced? It's because the Holy Spirit is very personal. The Holy Spirit knows what you need. You know, for me, I was, uh, I was in that, that thinking of, yeah, the Holy Spirit's good. But then someone started to challenge me on that. And they're like, well, have you, have you had a go? Have you had a go at speaking in tongues? And I was like, nope. <laughs> and I'm not sure I want to. But it stuck in my brain. So I did something. I hopped in my car, this is when I was about 17 or 18 in Wagga, jumped in my car, drove past the tip and headed out whoop whoop on this road. 
pulled out on the side of the road and there, were, there was nothing around me. There's nothing. And I just, I remember praying then. I was like, Lord, if this is real, show me. I want to speak in tongues. If you've got it for your people, you've promised it to them. I want it. And I prayed and I prayed and I prayed and nothing happened. And so I was like, well, I was right. That's good. Turned my car on, started driving home, and then it hit me like a wave. Hit me like a wave. And in that moment, my understanding of the Holy Spirit meant nothing because the experience of the Holy Spirit was so much more than I could ever understand. I almost drove off the road. It just hit me, this euphoria. And it was incredible because it just broke all of my preconceived ideas. And I felt like God saying, this is for you. This is for you. This isn't just for the group. This is for you. And man, that was a, that was a pretty wild moment for a country boy driving out whoop-whoop. Almost driving off the road. Let me tell you another story. A friend of, some friends of ours got back from being in Bible college and they started a small group. They encouraged us to start seeking pictures. So what we would do is take turns and put someone in the middle of the circle and just stand around them awkwardly and see what God would say. And man, it was awkward. Unbelievably awkward. But we were encouraged to push through the awkward and see what God would do. And I'd heard people say, oh, I saw this, or God said this to me, or he spoke this to me. And I was like, that's cool for them, but that's not how really God speaks to me. And I limited myself by saying that. That's not how God speaks to me. And then, <laughs> then I started seeing things. And we were able to encourage one another. And in this moment, again, God took my understanding of the Holy, the Holy Spirit, broke it and said, no, nah, I've got more for you. I've got more for you. Tonight, he's saying the same to you. He's got more for you. It's so personal. He's got more for you. And do you know what's amazing about the Holy Spirit? It's never just for you. Now, when I get to pray for people, what a privilege we have as pastors to pray for people every day. The Holy Spirit speaks to me because of a moment in my walk. And I then get to pray for others. So when the Holy Spirit moves on your heart, it is for you. It's for you in that moment, but it's not just for you. He's got more, and often that's the gifts then coming out for others. So, so I got a bit carried away with my stories there, but I felt it was important to share. The reason I think it's important to share is because we can all have our preconceived ideas of how the Holy Spirit is going to move or who the Holy Spirit is. It's only when you truly desire the Holy Spirit to move afresh that He does and He will. For those disciples in the upper room, it was a promise. It wasn't just a go there and maybe something will happen. Jesus said, go there and wait for the gift that my Father has promised. It's a promise. That gift is available to you. 
And so let's go back to our battles. For everything you're facing, the Holy Spirit wants to equip you for your battles. The Holy Spirit in a moment, in one moment, can equip you for every battle you will face for the rest of your life. That's right. And tonight, the Holy Spirit wants to equip you. So when I said that picture of the ice picks, the Holy Spirit wants to put ice picks in your hand to allow you to climb up out of that wall that is stuck in front of you. I'm going to invite the team to come and join me. I'm so thankful for spirit-led worship leaders like Tommy. This week, he, he messaged me and he's like, I reckon we need this song. And he didn't even know what I was preaching yet. He knew it was Pentecost Sunday and he said, I, I reckon we need this song. So I'm going, to, I'm going to get you all to jump to your feet. Because on tonight, we're not going to fix your battle. This isn't the battle tonight. This is the upper room. Holy Spirit first, battle second. We need more of the Holy Spirit. We need a desire for the Holy Spirit. He wants to speak to you tonight. He wants to meet with you tonight. He wants to fill you to overflowing tonight. Allow Him to immerse you. Allow Him to baptize you. You know, in these moments, we need to respond. And can I tell you, whenever someone asks if I want more of the Holy Spirit, I'm going to say yes, because I want more of the Holy Spirit. I know there's more things in my thinking that the Holy Spirit wants to break. I know more thing, there's more things in my life that the Holy Spirit wants to equip me with. I need more of the Spirit. So I'm going to ask you to do something. I want you to take your eyes off your battle. I don't want you to think about your battle right now. And I want you to think about Him. I want you to put your eyes on the Spirit. And really simply, if you want more of the Spirit tonight, I just want you to place your hand on your heart. I'm responding to this. I want more of the Spirit. I want God to move in me afresh. Lord, fill me afresh. Lord, fill us afresh. We need more of you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Holy Spirit, you are welcome here. You are so welcome here. Come and move on our hearts, Lord. Thank you, Jesus.